0: Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, as we uh, come to the end of our time in Galatians, we started last October, and we've been here a while, and it's just been, um, if there's anything that we get out of the book of Galatians, it's that Jesus does everything in our salvation. The gospel says that Christ died for us, and we can't earn it. There's nothing that we contribute to our salvation except our sin, actually. That God has done it all for us. The Galatians were trying to, or listening to a group of folks who were saying you had to do X, Y, and Z in order to earn your salvation. You had to, you had to believe in Jesus, yes, but you also need a little extra. You needed to work hard in order for God to love you. And Paul very strongly throughout this whole uh, book has said, No. No. You can't earn God's love. It is a gift and it is given. That is a central theme of Galatians, and this morning in our last paragraph or so, Paul takes up the pen from his secretary, and he writes a farewell, uh, summing up everything that he's talked about in this book. Let's pray and ask the Lord uh, for his help. Father, we pray that you would meet with us, Lord, that you would use your word in such a way to bring those who are dead to life, to feed us in our faith, to grow us in your grace. We pray that you would pour out your spirit now, that you would bless the hearer and the preacher both, that the preacher would decrease, that you might increase, and that you might sow the very words of life into our heart. All for the sake of the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Galatians 6, reading starting at verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God, it shall never change. It will stand forever. I was thinking through what we should talk about today. uh, As we think about uh, Independence Day yesterday and this weekend... As we began our service, God bless America, and that is our fervent prayer, that God would bless our country. But I got to thinking, too, you know, there there are three institutions that God has ordained and established for the building up of society. The family, the state, and the church. And different times of God's people. Some of those things have been combined. But we see in our own life, the family, the state, and the church, these three institutions which God has ordained in order to promote peace and culture and ultimately the extension of his kingdom. But what is it that sets the church apart in its mission, in its purpose, and its goal? See, we alone have hope to offer the world. We alone have answers that go beyond the temporal issues of our country. See, we alone have the hope of the gospel, and it is indeed our mission, not just our church, not just First Pres, but of the church, to know Christ and to make Him known. It's very easy to, um, when things don't go the way that we desire them to go, to despair, right? Right? But despair doesn't belong to the Christian. Despair is a sin. It's it's based out of fear and a lack of faith in the fact that God is on the throne. See, we are called to offer the hope that we have in love to those around us because we're the only place that you can get it. Nowhere else amongst all the gods, even as we started from from, uh, Psalm 96, talking about the, the worthless gods around us, All the false gods in our land that that promote and promise hope and welfare and peace and redemption, none of these things will will work. The the only place that we can find forgiveness of our sins and that we might be made new, and that the world and its power over us might be broken, and that we might receive the grace, mercy, and peace from our God, it's only through the cross of Jesus This is our only hope in this life and the next, and it is only the church that has this information. No other institution has been given this information, this mission like the church has, to know Christ and to make him known. See, the Galatians had forgotten that hope. They had listened to those who had come in of their own um, underhanded, ulterior motives Paul is going to say that the Judaizers, these false teachers, had come in, and they weren't teaching the right gospel, they were teaching the false gospel, which means it wasn't the gospel, for their own personal gain. He says it is one so that they might boast in your flesh, that they might return to the missionary society in Jerusalem, as one commentator said, and say how many notches were on their belt, how many folks they had proselytized. The second was so that they might not be persecuted for the cross. The things that they were saying were, were of ulterior motives. There, were other, there was an agenda that they had. And it's very easy to listen to those who have an agenda, whatever it may be, and if it's not the gospel, it is hard sometimes to not, uh, it's hard sometimes to lose, not lose our focus. What is the focus of our life? of our church, of all that we are, it is to love and serve the Lord our God and to love and serve our neighbor. And we find that rooted in the gospel. The Galatians had forgotten it. My friends, we have something to offer not only our communities, not only our friends, our neighbors, but to everyone who lives in this great country of ours. And it's the hope that we have to offer in love because it has been achieved for us by the love of our savior Jesus. Well, let's let's dive in. The first thing we see this morning is how important the cross is. Important the cross is that, that the Galatians had forgotten the amazing nature of the gospel, which says that Christ came in to usher in his kingdom, to renew all things by his power, the power that we see displayed at the cross of all places and especially exhibited on the third day when the in the empty tomb was found. By his disciples. He had come to bring good news of redemption and salvation to people like me. A great wretch. A great disaster like me and like you. And he came to do this upon the cross for us. The salvation that could never be achieved, never, uh, never paid for. It could only be received because it's been achieved by Jesus on the cross for us. Paul wasn't impressed with the Judaizers who were seeking uh, to promote a false gospel for their own self promotion. Paul knew he couldn't boast in his own achievements or or missionary successes. Do you know how hard it must have been for Paul not to boast in his own missionary successes? How many people he'd seen come to the Lord through his ministry? How many churches had he planted? But he says, all those things, those things are rubbish. Far be it from me, he says in verse 14, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, the center of Paul's life, at the center of Paul's hope, at the center of our hope, of the only hope that will really, truly give us hope, is the cross of Jesus. But I want you to think about that because it's pretty countercultural to say that isn't it not just in this culture i'm not just saying ours but but to- ever in first century roman polite society it was forbidden even to utter the latin verb to crucify this was more than just taboo it was strictly prohibited in fact as, as one commentator points out that they had come up with a euphemism if they wanted to talk about crucifixion in polite society they would say to be hanged on that unlucky tree And yet, it is upon this instrument of torture and death that we find our hope. If we don't proclaim that, that, that's not going to come intuitively. That's not something we can just reason out. That's good news that must be proclaimed. What do we have to offer to our country? It is the hope of the gospel. The hope that, that Paul is trying hard to bring his, his people, his his little children, his brothers in Christ as he calls them throughout this book. He's trying to call them back. To see through all the, the, the veil of the other things, the distractions of this world, the distractions of false teachers, and to remember the cross of Jesus is on the cross of Jesus. And this is what we one of the great things we can tell our neighbor about. So this is where our sins are forgiven. We're justified here. Okay? This, is, this is language that Paul uses, technical language, justified. Uh, justified means to be declared righteous. It is a legal term. To be declared righteous and pardoned for all of your sins. The guilt is taken away and righteousness is bestowed. What great news that we have to tell people that your sins can be forgiven. All of our friends, all of our unsaved friends, all those who don't know Jesus, they are laboring under the weight of unforgiven sin. And though they nor we ever realize our full guilt, don't you see the rat race of trying to, to to seek forgiveness for your own sins, to make up for, to atone for your own sins? I mean, how many millions of dollars have been given to, to charities to make up for Unclean consciences. How many hours of the soup kitchen have been donated not for the good of others, but to make me feel better about myself? This is what the Galatians were promoting that you've got to do X, Y, and Z in order to make up for your sins. And Paul says, No, on the cross of Jesus, everything was taken for you. As Colossians tells us, the record of the debt of our sin was nailed to the cross. What great news we have! What great hope we have to offer this land, that your sins can be forgiven. If you've ever seen a um, uh, an infomercial, you know there's that that part where they've offered you you know the gadget or a gizmo, and it costs like five dollars, and the shipping and handling is twenty, and uh, and they say, but wait, there's more. You know, we'll throw in 30 more gizmos. You just have to pay $20 shipping and handling for each one of them. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more for us that we could never pay for, that we could never achieve, that we could never pay back. It's not rent to own or lay away or lease to own. But wait, there's more because the text continues. Verse 15 For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but a new creation. What great news, what hope we have to offer people that says that you can be remade and made new a second chance, a third chance, a 20th chance, a hundredth chance that you can be made new. Video games are really popular for lots of reasons. Uh, Video games are very popular. We we know this. I'm sure you've observed this. Uh, They are fun. Okay, they're fun. People play them because they're fun. They also help to escape the world. Uh, escape the world is just, you can start playing video games, and 20 hours later, uh, you've spent 20 hours away from your problems. Uh, but one of the reasons why they're popular is because you can remake yourself in many of them. In many games, you create what's called an avatar. Uh, an avatar is a representation. It's a person, uh, a digital person, Um, and they're supposed to be modeled after you. You're remaking yourself in the video game. But you know, when you get to make yourself, suddenly you can take away those bits you don't like. (laughs) A little nip here, a little tuck there, and all of a sudden you're exactly who you always wanted to be. All the baggage, all the things that you don't like about yourself, suddenly you don't have to put them into the video game and you can create and make yourself just as you wish you were. But here's the thing this text says that we are new creations, that God has made us new. And not just how we would desire to see ourselves, but how God desires to see us. We are new creations. What great news we have to offer, what great hope we have to offer to our land that you can be made new. To the person who has a long record of sin, of dirty, impure sin, what great news that you can not only be pardoned for those sins, but you can be made new. Because Christ has taken all our filth, he's taken all of our shame, he's taken all of our guilt, and it's been nailed to the cross. And we bear it no more. And he's, he's made us new. What great news we have to proclaim. We see this echoed in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 17, For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now we look forward to the day where we get caught up with this. When Christ comes again and we receive our glorified bodies. What great news we have telling tell them that their, their sins can be forgiven, they can be made new, not just on the outside, not through cosmetics or plastic surgery or whatever you want to do, not through new clothes, but made new in body, soul, and spirit. Oh, what hope. What hope we have to offer in love. 14, if we go back, go back a step, we see that through the cross of Jesus, or by Jesus, through Jesus, The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. As one commentator pointed out, there are three crucifixions in this text. Crucifixion of Jesus, the crucifixion of the world, and the crucifixion of us. Not only can our sins be forgiven, not only can our uh, be made new, but also those things that weigh us down in this world, the the sins, the addictions, the hardships, the the things that, that plague us, the besetting sins, these things can be done away with as well. Now the presence of them will never be fully taken away till heaven, but the world and its power has been crucified to us and us to the power of the world. Uh, Cosmos, the Greek word for world, has eight different uh, senses, eight different definitions in the New Testament. Uh, Here it's talking about the, 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 the part of the world that is in rebellion against God, that which is under the control and sway of the evil one, that no longer has control over us though we we sometimes resubmit ourselves to it and give it control over us again. What great news, your sins be forgiven. You can be made new. Not only that, but that um, the power of the world has been broken at the cross of Jesus. This is great hope. This is great news. And we alone have it. We alone have it because we have the Word. We've been made stewards of the Word of God. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. It is His Word and we are called to be stewards of it, to give it to others. And what great news we have. Well, not only that, but we see in this, uh, in this double benediction, we see in verse 16 and verse 18, that the grace and peace and mercy of God are bestowed upon those who are in Christ Jesus. Grace means to be given what we don't deserve, Mercy means that we aren't given what we do deserve. And the peace that we have from God means we're at peace with God, with each other, and even with ourselves. What great news. As we look for all these things in the world around us, the one place where we can find them is in the finished work of Jesus. What great hope we have to offer in love. And this is what Paul was doing. Why in the world did Paul do what he did? Why in the world did he do what he did? I mean, first of all, we must answer that it was his call upon him, upon the Damascus Road uh, conversion. God gave him, charged him as an apostle to be a missionary, especially amongst the Gentiles, those who were not of the Jewish nation of Israel. He was called to go and promote to them uh, the gospel. But don't you know that that's not all it was? I mean, God gave him a love, not only for God, but also... For the people he was ministering to, he didn 't do it out of just duty he didn 't do it just because he was paid to he didn't in fact, he wasn 't in many places. He would work as a tent maker to provide for himself. He did it because he loved them. You know you can always tell the difference when when someone does what they love. if you notice this this uh, this shirt is about two inches too big. Um, the sleeves here are a solid. Inch too long. <laughs> do you know how that happened? Because someone who doesn't love their job helped us buy new shirts. <laughs> someone who hated their job helped us uh, buy new shirts. He measured me, he measured me incorrectly, and now it shows. When you don't love your job, when you lo- don't love what you do, when you're just doing it out of duty, you can tell. Paul loved what he did, he loved the Lord and he loved his people. And it cost Paul a lot. Our verse starts in verse 11, our passage starts in verse 11, where it says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with. Many commentators think, and and I would certainly put myself in this camp historically, that this is probably because he has bad eyesight. It's probably true. But I read something else this week, and they said, Perhaps it is because he's been stoned and whipped and left for dead so many times. The bones in his hands have been broken. And he can't write very well. See, he does what most people do in that time. He used an amanuensis, it's a fancy word for a secretary, who would uh, take the dictation of the letter. And at the very end, he would pick up the pen and, and write the very end so that people would see it was from him, from his hand, like we would sign a letter today. And so he picks it up, and this time his, his letters aren't well formed, they're in the all caps in Greek. He says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my hand. See, this is a man who had paid the price because he loved the, the offer that he hoped, the, the, the hope that he offered to his people, he did it with a sacrificial love. See, he's called them throughout this text his children and his brothers. He loves them. He, he knows he is loved by the Lord and he knows that he has been forgiven much. And the more that we realize how much we've been forgiven, the more we will desire to tell others about this great hope we have. If the hope in us is very small indeed, it won't look good. It won't be worth sharing others. This is a man who had stood by and guarded the cloaks of those who were stoning Stephen. And he had traveled with a a, a writ, a a piece of paper from the, the, the governing authorities of Israel, the Jewish authorities saying that he could imprison those who served Jesus. And he was on the way to do this when he was converted by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a man who knew his sin, and he knew the hope that he had in Christ, and he knew that it was all a gift. And he was willing to put it all on the line. Are we willing to, to love others like this? Are we willing to love others like this? Do we love others like this? The sacrificial love. It was in Lystra in southern Galatia, where this would have been written to, that he was stoned and left for dead. And he went back to that town. And it was here that he found Timothy and called him into ministry. It was a sacrificial love. You know, in in ministry and evangelism, sacrificial love is an amazing thing. It has great power as people hear the love of God and see the love of God as we display it to them. Do we have this love? Do we have the love for our nation? As messy it is. We're, we're messy too, by the way. Do we have this great love for the people of our nation, for our neighbors? For we alone have this hope, and there's one hope that's not in this text, but it's a very important one. See, we, we began our service today singing the song, God Bless America, and it's the, the land that I love. Let me make sure I get it right. My home sweet home. In one way, this is our home, right? We live here, and we are called to invest in it. Like when the um, Israelites were sent into exile in Babylon, God wrote them a letter and said, Seek the welfare of Babylon. Seek the welfare of the city, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And so we are called to be involved in this land, to be great citizens, to seek its purity and its peace, to seek its welfare, to pray for its leaders, to be good citizens. But all fueled by the knowledge that this is not our home. America will come and go, hopefully not for a long time, but it will come and go. But our souls will not. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, our hope, our sure knowledge, our citizenship, it belongs not in this life, but in the next. In the new heavens, in the new earth, the new Jerusalem, this is where our home is. This is where we're heading. Our destination is sure. That's why we can leave it all in the field here on this side of the Jordan, laboring for the lost, offering the hope that Christ has achieved for us. So my call, my friends, this morning is to offer this hope that Paul reminded the Galatians of here. For our very souls, our very eternities, uh, they depend on it. That our souls might be right with God. Those of our neighbors, that they might have the same hope we have let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, that upon the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. We thank you that we have been made into new creations, and though we still struggle with sin greatly in an increasing way this day, this side of of the Jordan, oh Lord, we thank you that the the world has been crucified to us and us to the world, and we thank you that we have your mercy and grace and peace, and we look forward to that day where the hope Of our new home. Dawn's on the horizon. And our pilgrim days are over. And our faith is turned into sight. For all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.